fellowship break where, where we welcome each other to church. We, do, we seem to do that a lot anyway, but it's, it's good to be able to recognize that uh, even though people are talking from up here, that it's really about us together. Uh, and even as we come together to uh, take our communion uh, meal later on, to recognize that we don't take it on our own, that we're, we're in this uh, battle, we're in this life, we're in this uh, glory together. And uh, I'm excited about the, uh, I think I left my clicker down there. Do you see, any, see it over there? But today we're going to be talking about joy in the spirit. thought you might throw it, that would be more fun. Uh, but uh, we're talking about joy in the spirit. And I'm sure that you've had those moments when you have just felt joy that God has just blessed your life. You know, this isn't like an everyday thing, right? You don't wake up every morning as a Christian, your alarm goes off and it's just like, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, if you do, I I challenge you that I don't think you're telling the truth, but um, there's, there's every once in a while when you have one of those moments or days or whatever where you just feel like, man, the Lord is just shining on me. Right? You ever have one of those moments? Okay, what was one of those moments for you? Okay. Oh, your wedding. Yes. Good answer. Good answer. I was going to say that when my daughter got married, my wedding, of course, but most recently, it felt like... The heavens opened, you know, God, you know, protected the, it was an outdoor wedding and everything, and it was like the most amazing day, and you just felt like, wow, not only was it just one day, but it was kind of like a lifetime of building to that point, you know, and I'm sure that's what made it special for them, that it wasn't just that one day, but it's like they were living their whole lives trying to find each other, and they finally made it, and it was an amazing time. Anybody else got a, a joyful Today, Mario. Today. Today. Yes. Right answer. Any any reason? Okay. To be at church twice in the same day. I mean, if everybody could have that attitude, man, this would be a better place. Justine. The day you adopted Hannah. What a special day. What what is it called again? Gotcha day, the gotcha day. So they celebrate that every year. But yes, where God just brings you together, you just feel like, wow, nothing could get me down today. And so we're going to look at one of those days for Jesus that in the middle of kind of an intense week that he has one of those moments where he just sees uh, really a lifetime of work come together uh, in Luke chapter 10 here. But we've been looking at the spirit and we've been following different uh, characters here, and um, I won't give you the whole rundown of where we've been, but we're going to be looking at Jesus sending out the 72 today and the, what he experiences. But we're going to start in Luke chapter 9, and Luke 10 has kind of been one of, oh, before we get to that, talk about a day of joy right here. This was last week with uh, Cole and Nicole, and you see Darren there. And I know that the Tazais and the Domingos and some other folks were there uh, celebrating the, uh, the Torreses, and uh, so they had an amazing time in western Virginia. I heard there's not a lot out there. Uh, Aaron said you drive for like 30 miles and you see nothing. Like just to get to the grocery store, it's like 30 miles. And some of us are going, man, that sounds awesome. No, just kidding. 
So uh, congratulations to them. Uh, one of our uh, Desert Sons uh, had, a, had a great, great moment, and pray for them as they continue their life together. This was part of the wedding. I had to share it with you. This was their first dance. Dino dance. That just has to bring joy to your day. I don't even know why it was so entertaining. Maybe I do. only reason I showed you that is just for pure joy. It had nothing to do with anything. Where would you ever come up with that? I have no idea. But they are a good match for one another. I just picture the whole time being the father of either one of them and having that come out and not knowing it and just be like, oh, my gosh. Like, what is happening? Um, but, you know, God, God gives us the perfect uh, partner in life there. So we're happy for them. Uh, and we're going to start reading in Luke chapter 9, which is right before this. We've been reading Luke 10 quite a bit. We, we dwelled in it a few weeks ago. We read it all together and shared at our uh, midweek service. And every time you read it, you'll see something a little different. But I never really looked at the context of where Luke kind of puts this in his gospel right after this really intense time here. It says, when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, and I'm reading in it, Different version than the NIV if you haven't figured that out yet. So you can follow along. It's, it's basically the same. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of them. On their way, they entered a village of Samaritans to prepare for his arrival. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord... Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and then they went to another village. As they were going along the road, some said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another said to another, he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to them, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This doesn't sound like one of those joy of the Lord moments, right? This is not one of those heaven open up. But it's a pretty difficult time with this opposition as Jesus is heading up to Jerusalem to be killed. And kind of the first part of Luke, he's in Galilee. And then the last part, he goes to Jerusalem. And then Acts starts in Jerusalem and then goes to Galilee and the ends of the earth. So kind of this middle point of Jerusalem, which is kind of the best part or most important part of his ministry. But he's going through, and the brothers immediately face opposition and tension and hatred and racism 
and kind of like holier than thou. The holy people are coming through, going to Jerusalem. And what do they want to do? Do they want to like love their enemies? Oh, heck no. They're like, should we burn them down? Jesus is like, what are you talking about? I'm going to Jerusalem. That's, this is not a time for burning it down. This is a time to love your enemies. And yet in the Old Testament, there were, that happened a couple different times. He's like, oh, that was then. This is not that time. But then this little section here in Luke 9 where Jesus doesn't give them any slack at all. You know, he, he says, I'll follow you. And he's like, well, I don't even have a place to sleep. I'm headed to Jerusalem. Do you really want to follow me there? And then he goes through this thing about, Lord, let me go bury my father. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. I mean, how did the dead bury the dead anyway? Right. I mean, you think about your own story with, with God. When you're starting out, it's... I felt like I feel like there was a lot God gave me a lot of slack. Like there was there was a lot of grace given. It wasn't like, oh, you, you went to church one time, now you gotta commit your whole life to Christ. No, it was like a progression and kind of a falling off and a coming back and I don't know about this and you know, God answering prayers maybe keeping me alive at different times and so I feel like it was kind of a culmination of this journey, but so sometimes I've read this passage, I'm like, man, Jesus, like, what is up? Like, why? You know, why do you have to be so rude, right? This is kind of rude. Like, let the dead bury their dead. I mean, you can say, no, that's probably not a good idea. Maybe you should think about it a different way. You know, let me reframe it for you. And he's like, no, that's, that's not going to happen. You know, and then he goes back and he says, uh, uh, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back for, is fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, has anybody ever looked back? Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, well, maybe I should be, I don't know about this. This is a lot harder than I thought. Maybe there's another way out. You know, but Jesus recognizes the time, and I believe that so many times he's patient with us. But this was the last time that he was going to be going through their town. The last journey of him alive. He's going to die within a week or two or three. Sometimes we're like, oh man, we got all the time in the world. And Jesus is like, no, you don't have all the time in the world here in Samaria. This is it. And now, I don't know how that relates to all of us. Chances are pretty good that we're going to live more than three weeks in here. Right? That this may not be your last time, but it's always the day of salvation with Christ. And it helped me to understand. So the guys go out and they get firmly rejected. And then we're going to look at him. He's going to send them out again. You know, a lot of us, we've been firmly rejected. At different times, right? Because we're going to Jerusalem. Maybe we're not going to Jerusalem, but because we're following Christ. Or because we're following the Bible. Or because we're a little too this or a little too that. Or sometimes we've been a little bit too nice. And sometimes we've been a little bit too rude. 
You know, but the, the, the call for all of us is to continue to go where Jesus calls us to go here. So let's read in verse 1 here. He says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Go on your way. I am sending you out like wolves, like lambs among wolves. So he sends them out. Two by two, they have their support. They have their friends with them. You know, God doesn't send us through this life alone. There's so many famous pairs in the Bible that they went out together on a mission for God, and his is maybe very similar. They went out like lambs among wolves. I mean, how does that feel? If I was going to pick an animal, I probably wouldn't be a lamb. It'd be like a lion. Like, I want to go out in, in strength and power. He's like, no, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're not the wolf. You're the lamb. You're the one that's going to wander around. You're, the, you're, you're, you're going to be vulnerable. They, they were going out in a vulnerable situation here. In verse 4, he says, Carry no purse or bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. As a person of peace, if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. And as we're reading this, you could see that this is a, a command that he's given to these 72 disciples, but this is more of a, lay, a way of life also. That we're sent out to be people of peace. That we're sent out to not put our trust in our possessions and our knowledge and our, everything that we have. That they went out to be housed. That they went out with no money. Imagine, what is it like when you leave your house without your wallet? That's tragic, right? The big question is, how far away from your house is worthy of turning around to get it? Or your purse? I mean, how far do you think it is? You're like, oh, i got to go back. Maybe 10 miles? Five miles? Imagine you're going out of town. You're going on a trip. No purse, no wallet, no driver's license, no passport. A hundred miles, maybe. I mean, you got to go back, right? You can't sleep until you get, unless you have Apple Pay. That's what my kids keep telling me. It doesn't matter if you have your wallet. If, you know, anyway, they didn't have Apple Pay back then. Anyway, Apple from the garden. I love it. Um, so they, that idea of going out in faith. This makes zero sense, Jesus. But I'm going. We'll see what happens. To go out in, in a vulnerable space, to need hospitality from others. We're so, as Christians, we're so used to feeling like, hey, God has blessed us, so we're supposed to just pass that on to others. We're supposed to bless people. He's like, no, not here. You're not blessing them that way. They're blessing you. 
You can tell them that the kingdom is coming, but then they're the ones that are going to take care of you. That's a different way of looking at being a Christian. That we're not going out to give to everybody, although we do, but we're also going out to receive, that God is going to prepare the way. He's going to determine who we should hang out with. Based on what? Their peace, based on their attitude, their friendliness, their hospitality. I don't know if we really think about that, like, wow, is God offering me hospitality today? You know, people come up to us all the time, and he's trying to help us, and we're just like, no, that's okay, I got it covered. Maybe we're turning down God's offer of the day, and they're on a peace mission. How much would you give for peace? That's one of the most valuable gifts that we have through the Spirit is we can be at peace. It's not easy to grab a hold of. Sometimes we're going in a million miles an hour and we don't really recognize that it's right there. But if we slow ourselves down enough, it's there. And that's what they were bringing to the world. And their peace wasn't affected of whether the person wanted it or not. He said, okay, they, they reject your peace. Just take it back and just keep going. That we don't have to be determined. Our, our peace is not determined by how well we're liked or whether we're approved of or whether people think we're cool or not cool or agree with us or whatever. That we have this peace from God and the joy that comes from following him. Let's keep reading here. And that just that gift of shalom is an amazing thing. It's like a holistic peace, not just a mental state of nirvana, but like peace in our whole lives. That's what God wants to give us. Amen? In verse 8, he says, Whatever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Amen. I like that one. Those of you who are hungry, that sounds pretty good. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. That he sends them out as ambassadors to heal, to to proclaim that Jesus is coming. They're like sent out before Jesus. That's kind of... Maybe roughly our role, right? We're trying to be sent out before God like, hey, the kingdom is near. It's coming. And yet here in this one slide, you have like two different sides of the same. You have them going out and healing and talking about the kingdom. And then on the other side, you have them. I don't know if it's cursing, but it's kind of similar to that, right? When they get rejected, they're supposed to wipe their feet off. Against them. You know, that seems kind of weird. I mean, when I just read it, I go, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But that was kind of what they would do to show that you're rejecting the one who sent me. And so you're, we have nothing in common. You're rejecting Jesus. And so, and the Jews would do this before with, the, with others that rejected their faith. This kind of foot dusting. And I don't know about you, if I were to do that to someone, 
it would not be with a good heart. <laughs> right? If I'm at the point of foot dusting with you, that means I'm, I can't stand you. Like, I hate you. If I'm, imagine that. You leave someone's house and you're like, you know what? That's what I think of you. You know, like, that's... I don't know if I could do that with a good heart. I'm sure that maybe they did it a little differently. But it feels a little angry, if I'm honest. I would feel a little angry. Um, but he's still... Because I would take it as like, hey, I cut you off. Right? Because that's... Why would I take it that way? Because that's the world we live in. If you don't agree, I shake the dust off your feet. I never talk to you again. You're uninvited. You're unfriended. You're blocked. You're this. You're whatever. That's the culture that we're in. That's the same culture they were in. It's not different. Different in a lot of ways, but the same spirit of like, you're either with me or you're out. And yet, when I read this passage again, it said in the beginning that Jesus was still coming back to those same towns. That the kingdom of God was still near. That it really wasn't a a, uh, get away from me. I hate you kind of a thing. It was like, hey, you got to repent, like now. Like Jesus is coming your way. You still can. The kingdom is still coming your way. And so it wasn't as much of an angry, like, I hate you. It was just more like, hey, this is, this is pretty important. If you, if you knew who was coming, you would really take this a lot differently. That Jesus was still going to go to those towns that didn't want him to go to. That's the way I take it anyway. He says, I tell you on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the deeds of power done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Indeed, at the judgment, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And for Capernaum, will you be exalted to the heaven? No, you will be brought down to Hades. And so Jesus had some pretty strong words. For those that turned away and rejected this opportunity, this offer. And he's kind of making this comparison here of this peace versus this death and and destruction. He compares Sodom and Tyre and Sidon, which were all Gentile towns, with Jewish towns of Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum. And those were the towns where the Pharisees had their real strongholds, the ones that really hated Jesus. Maybe that's why he called them out. Again, pretty hardcore, Jesus. That's pretty strong. (laughs) That's a pretty strong one. You know, I'm not going to try to explain it away. 
But in that moment, he was calling them to repent. He wasn't saying that everyone in those three towns were lost. Four of his disciples were from uh, Capernaum. They were pretty good. He fed the 5,000 in Bethsaida. There's like 5,000 people that probably believed in Jesus at that point. You know, that there is, Jesus was kind of getting away. He did so many miracles in Capernaum. And he's basically saying, you're not saved because of where you're from, because of a place, because of a religious background, because of the church that you may or may go to or maybe don't go to, that you're, you're, you're saved by your faith and your acceptance of me, by your humility, by whether you will examine your life based on Jesus, by whether you ignore his miracles in your life. So he had a strong message, that message of sackcloth and ashes. and It's a life of humility. It's a life called to examine our, ourselves and look at Christ. But it's one that we would do well not to ignore. That's what I get from that passage. Like, hey, this is pretty serious. Jesus is coming. In verse 16, he says, Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. And whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. The 72 return with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Indeed, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It's kind of interesting there. Jesus sends them out with this intense warning, right? We read like two slides that were just like, wow, I can't believe Jesus said that. But everyone coming back is not talking about that. That's not what happened. It's like they were expecting maybe they got persecuted or maybe they got rejected, but what they came back with was seeing God work. And bless their heart and their faith. I don't. Maybe they had no rejection on that trip. I don't know. But that wasn't what they came back with. Sometimes we almost expect that we're going to get so much rejection and hardship that we kind of miss it. Maybe, but we're also going to get to see God. When we put ourselves out there as they did. He said he saw Satan fall like lightning. From heaven. He really did see Satan fall from lightning, like lightning from heaven. And you get to see the, the spiritual, just a little picture of the spiritual power that Jesus has. And these guys came back not only seeing that, but they, they felt it too. They said, yeah, I saw him fall too. You know, we've seen a lot of miracles, a lot of us. 
strongholds broken and lives saved, dead things come to life. These people that were healed probably had been like that for a long time. They lost hope. They were stuck. They were sick. They were possessed. They were maybe isolated, some of them. And and now they've been healed. It's like their whole lives got them to that place. You know, a little different than some of ours, but kind of similar that God leading Hannah to the Alexanders or God leading Augie and Sarah together, God answering our prayers and bringing us around now. That Satan has been falling all around us even to get us here. And he's saying, you know what, That's, don't forget the, the relationship that got you here. That's what's important. Seeing Satan fall, yeah, that's awesome. We want to see that. I'm going to rejoice with that. We'll, we'll jump up and down. But don't forget the relationship that got you there. That humility and that life that God brought. Don't forget that day of joy. When you recognize that nothing else matters. This is the only thing that matters. I don't know if they got that lesson. Sometimes I've not gotten that lesson, right? I want to see Satan fall. (laughs) That's fun, right? He's like, don't, you know, remember where it comes from. And remember who has the power. But Lord, I touched the guy and he, he was healed. I prayed and the demon left. I mean, imagine that. That's amazing. It says at that very hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. He says, Jesus, full of joy in the Holy Spirit. Kind of reflecting with God in prayer. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, this was for your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone he cho- the Son chooses to reveal him. That he kind of has this moment of like, God, that's how you work. You reveal yourself to the humble, to the children, and you're, you can't be seen by the wise and intelligent of this life and this world. You know, we are at... Uh, the costume party last night and I was just holding little Caleb, Ashley and Pedro's son and just thinking about this passage and just like what it is to be an infant and just trust and follow whoever and you know, drink out of people's drinks and (laughs) take candy, you know or whatever, you're just like Trusted and innocent. 
And that's really where God has trying to get us to be. Trusting, faithful, innocent. You know, it seemed like maybe at one time in your life that seemed easy. Sure doesn't seem easy now. Go out with no purse, no wallet. Trust God with everything we have. You know, love our enemies. Wow. Help us to be infants, pure of heart. You know, that love and peace and purity comes together in Christ. And all the, all the money in the world can't give you that. There's a lot of rich people that miss Jesus. There's a lot of rich people. There's some rich people that found Jesus. There's a lot of poor people that found Jesus. And there's some poor people that rejected Jesus. You know, he wants us to be with him. He says, turning to them privately, he said, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And maybe it's more that that understand what you understand, that, that get it. Blessed are the eyes that get it. For I tell you, many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. It's funny that he says that because they still didn't see him right. They didn't really get it. They were going to Jerusalem, but they didn't know why. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were surprised by everything that happened this next week. And yet they were still blessed because he knew they were going to get it. Because it was a historic time, whether they knew it or not. God was leading them towards something that they couldn't have not imagined. You know, if, if God never gave you another joyful moment, like we talked about in the beginning, that the, the, the stop the world kind of joy moment, would it matter? How many miracles has he given us? Do we need more? Right? He's, he's done so many miracles. If I never got another miracle, I could just live on all the ones that I've already had. But I know that there's going to be more. Because that's how God is. He doesn't like cut us off from the blessings. It just keeps coming. But a lot of times we don't know where they're going to be or we don't even know when we're close to one. Maybe it's something you've been praying about your whole life, and you're like, okay, maybe it's tomorrow. I don't know. We've had plenty of those, right? You're struggling with something forever, and then finally it's just like, wow, who is this person? Or what happened? This is over. This is new. You know, in our... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that our, our church is like one day away from that. <laughs> it's what every minister would love to love to right we're one day away from this wow moment Uh, but I feel like God has done so many things among us in the past few years that we have maybe not recognized or maybe we don't 
we don't see. You know, tonight, as afterwards, you, you guys are all invited, but we're going to meet with the small group leaders and going to talk a little bit about just how God, what, what God's been doing in the past few years. And it's, it's not going to be like, hey, this is the final word on all that God has done. But it's just like, hey, these are some of the things that we even notice that he has done some pretty amazing things. And he still is going to do more. I feel like he's leading us and we're, gonna, we're starting to like maybe put some things back together here. But we still have a lot of needs. You know, we need a, a service refresh probably. New singers and new people serving, new people speaking. Maybe new ministers speaking. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, creative minds on how we can do church differently, better. You know, how can we all be a part of it? You know, it doesn't matter how many we have, but it, it matters that we're all going in it together. And we're all talking about what God is doing and seeing that together. Because I do believe that blessed are the eyes that see what you see. That you've chosen, to, many of you have chosen to follow Jesus. And you've picked him again and again and again and again, and he's blessed you and and you can relate to these disciples that have gone out and just trusted God in areas that were terrifying. And I believe that God has blessed you and the eyes that you, for what you've seen. And I believe he's going to do that again with our church. That he is, has been working and will continue to work. And my prayer is that we'll be able to see where he's working, see how he's working. Many times he works and we miss. And so the disciples were maybe days and weeks away from seeing and understanding. And as we take our communion together, um, this is kind of after they finally understood a few chapters later. He says, these are the words I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, this is, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Let's pray as we take our communion uh, meal together. Uh, Father, thank you that you have uh, given us so many opportunities to find you, to uh, see you. Thank you for the miracles that you've done in our lives. Thank you for the ways that you've even brought us here today. Uh, please help us as we just reflect on you during this time to uh, put our whole faith in you to choose you again, to uh, trust you with our lives, God. I do pray that you give us, uh, help us to find uh, the peace that you offer to each of us and to be able to see your miracles around us. And God, whatever you do, whatever we see, that we can rejoice, uh, that we get to know you, that we get to experience this time and celebrate this meal together the body, that your body that you've broken for us and your blood that you've given to us. 
uh, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be healed, so that we could see Satan fall like lightning in each other's lives. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you for this time, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.